You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. We are in a great book of the Bible, the New Testament book of James, written by Jesus' kid brother. Now, if you remember any of the stories from the gospel about Jesus' family, early on, they thought he was nuts. Mark 3.21, his family wanted to take him away from the ministry saying, quote, he is out of his mind. John 7.5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. That is until the resurrection. Then not only do they believe, but at least two of his brothers become pastors, James and Jude, as well as write books of the New Testament that bear their name. We have spent several weeks in the book of James, and the big theme of the book is a faith that works. And the question is, as you're living your life, how does faith integrate with the decisions that you make and the the days that you live and the deeds that you do? And so let me start with this big idea. We're always trying to figure out what comes next so we can get ready for it and plan for it. This starts when you're a kid and you're in school, you're comparing yourself to other kids around you. And you kind of wonder, okay, am I the athlete? Am I good in music? Am I good at math or whatever the case may be? Then you get to high school and the pressure really escalates. Now you've got to really focus on your studies And you start taking personality tests and career assessments. And as you head into your senior year, the pressure is like, okay, what am I going to do now? What's the plan? Am I going to go into the military? Am I going to go into the workforce? Am I going to go to college? Am I going to go to jail? Those are your four options. (laughs) Then as you graduate, you jump into a path. And if it's college, then there's a lot of pressure because you've got to pick a major. What am I going to study? What am I going to focus on? And it's costing money and your parents are questioning you. Pick a major and stick with it this time. (laughs) Then you go into the workforce and you try to figure out a new plan. What's the plan for my career and my income stream? And, And how can I climb the ladder to have a better income? Finally, life kind of starts coming together and you decide, hey, let's get married. Okay, so here's where we're going to live. This is the house we're going to buy. We're going to work here. We're going to try to pay off the, the college debt. And then you get pregnant. And when you get pregnant, just take all of your plans and burn them to the ground. <laughs> because you think the plan is... They're going to go to bed at 8 p.m. and wake up at 6 a.m. And no, that's not true. They're going to yell at you from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. and wet your bed. That's their plan. So what comes next? What are we going to do with the kids once they become school age? How how are we going to pay off this mortgage? What are we going to do with the in-laws? What are we going to do with holidays? Finally, you hit your 50s, 60s, and your plan is how do we have enough money to where we can stop working? 
all of life is plan, 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 trying to figure out what comes next. How do we prepare for it? How do we anticipate it? And the question is, how does faith work in the midst of all of your planning? Because here's the problem with the plan. Does it ever turn out exactly the way you plan? (laughs) Seldom, right? And so what happens is when you get your plans together and things keep changing, nothing ever comes together as you planned, and it gets frustrating. And yet some of you are still those, I'm going to stick to the plan no matter what kind of people. You know, I've done so much work. I've put time and energy and research into this. Let's just stick with the plan. Don't mess with the plan. I've got a plan. We're sticking with the plan. While others of you go the opposite direction and you're like, you know what? (laughs) Forget it. Let's not even make a plan. We'll just see what happens. Take life as it comes. And then James writes to give us the middle way of faith, how to have God enter into not just our present, but in our planning for the future. Here's what he says. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Life has a lot of uncertainty. And what he says is first and foremost, no one really knows what's going to happen tomorrow. If anything, the last three years have proven this. We've all experienced it. How many of you didn't plan for our planet to be shut down, the economy to be crippled, not even be able to get supplies on a normal basis? How many of you planned for this? Now, what God is not against is planning. What he's against is presumption. You see, the whole Old Testament book of Proverbs, or a lot of it at least, has a lot of good things to say about planning and wise people make plans. But what God is against is presumption, arrogance, pride. He already told us earlier in chapter 4 that he is against the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And James is quoting Proverbs 3.34. The proud person says, well, I think I know what the future holds and I can make a plan. The truth is we need to make our plans in pencil. It's good to have a plan, but you better have it in pencil because you don't know what the future might bring. The truth is, only God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And James says, look, you can make your plans, but ultimately, only God knows the future. So if you're going to live your life in faith, you need to pray and seek God's will and have a process and then wait and see what happens tomorrow because you may need to make a pivot. There are times when you've got to make a pivot. Maybe new information has come to you or new data. Something has changed. We've had this recently, perhaps more than at any other time. How many of you moms were like, I never would have thought about homeschooling, but I'm homeschooling. 
And some people are making major pivots, major life decisions. People are deciding to live in other states depending upon who the governor is. And the greatest pivot you can ever make is becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. The greatest pivot anyone can make in their entire life history is receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So right now, the most important decision you will ever make is whether you are going to live as a Christian. And I want to invite and encourage all of you to make that decision. If you haven't, that's why you're here. Literally. If you make that decision to allow Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you are pivoting your life from hell to heaven. You are pivoting your life from living independent to living dependent upon God. You are pivoting your life from dealing with the weight and burden of your sins and shortcomings and failures, and you are giving those burdens to Jesus Christ who died so that you may be forgiven and lives so that he can help you carry those burdens. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer living without consideration of God's Word. You are instead living under the authority of the life-giving Word of God. And so let me just say, whatever your life is committed to, this is the day that God has chosen to have you pivot and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, in addition to uncertainty, the second thing James has to say about life is that life has brevity. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's like you go outside on a cool morning. What do you see as you breathe out? You see the mist of your breath and then it's gone. And James says, that's your life. It's very sobering. He says, life is short. Life is brief. And the older you get, it seems like the the faster it goes. When you're young, you're like, man, this is going to take forever to get to the end of life. And as you get older, it's hard to even keep up. So what James is saying is that life has uncertainty. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. And life has brevity. You don't know that you will have tomorrow. So don't be looking so forward to the future that you overlook the people and opportunities that are right in front of you. Life has uncertainty. Life has brevity. But here's the good news. He then is going to speak of God. God has sovereignty over it all. In a world of uncertainty and brevity, Isn't it wonderful to know that God is over it all? God has sovereignty. So I have good news for you. There actually is a God, and he's in charge, and he's good. In fact, he calls himself a father. Here's what James says next. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. He's saying that God has sovereignty, and this can be either a cliche or it can be a conviction. Sometimes religious people say it as a cliche, well, Lord willing. And in the South, we have an added phrase to that, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, that's it. 
or it can be a deep and profound conviction. It's saying, you know what? God already knows what's going to happen in the future. How many of you have ever wished that you knew what the future held? Many of you maybe even have said that out loud. Well, let me tell you, I've lived a little while. You don't want to know because I think you'd get freaked out. If God actually told you, here's everything, here's your next steps, we would be so paralyzed, we wouldn't even be able to live. What he's saying, if the Lord wills, means the Lord knows tomorrow. And he knows if you're going to have it tomorrow. So the uncertainty and the brevity are under his sovereignty. And the understanding of this means that I am not the highest authority in my life. You don't control tomorrow. Now, you can make wise decisions that put you in a position to receive opportunities of tomorrow. And we should seek wisdom. We should make plans. We should research and we should be responsible. But then we need to say, Lord, I don't know tomorrow. I don't control tomorrow, but you do. And realizing that God has sovereignty is simply this, three things. Number one, God is a sovereign and I'm not. So you control freaks, write that down. (laughs) There is a God and you're not him. Number two, the sovereignty of God means I'm seeking to walk in God's will for my life to the best of my ability. And as far as I know, I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And number three, it's this prayer. Lord, if you want to redirect my paths, rewrite my plans, I welcome it. So I will submit to it and surrender to it and live under your authority. This is not my life. This is yours. So God, just live through me. So how do you live this life in relationship with God? Don't make winning your goal. Don't make success your goal. Don't make conquering your goal. Make your goal living God's will for your life. And at the end of the day, God will help you do the very thing that he's called you to do if you're wanting to do what he wants you to do. I mean, too many times we make our plans and then we tell God what the plan is rather than asking what his plan is. So we tend to put our plan together and we pray something like this. Okay, Lord, here's what we are doing now. And the Lord's like, you know what? You didn't start with me. You didn't ask me. You didn't seek me. You didn't invite me. And that's most of us, right? We just wake up and each day we just do what we want to do. But as a Christian, now it's, God, what am I supposed to do? Am I in the college studying the things that you're wanting me to study? Am I in the career that you have for me? I've shared this before, but I want to tell you how God led me and Lori, and we ended up in ministry. You know, when you're school age and you're sitting around a group of friends and you have that question, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you have various answers. It depends upon the, whatever's going on in your life, maybe. This one particular time, I was 15 years old, 10th grade. 
group of friends. Hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And all of a sudden, I just blurted out, be a pastor. And I'm like, where did that come from? So I reasoned my future was set. The next nine years would be finish high school, go to college, attend seminary. And about my junior year in college, I started to freak out. All of this talk of the future was coming too soon. I now thought there is no way I'll be ready to be a pastor in the near future. I'm not even dating anyone at the time. I mean, who am I to give any kind of marriage or relationship advice to anybody? And I don't even know the Bible all that well. Shouldn't I, I don't know, read the Bible some? (laughs) I found all manner of excuses So yes, God was closing that door. Okay, now what? Well, I I didn't really ask God. So once again, I came up with a plan. I ended up teaching junior high math for three years. In the meantime, Lori and I married, and then we moved away for me to attend graduate school. But before a single class was offered at the graduate school, one of the professors just welcomed all the incoming graduate students for a potluck dinner at the house. No big deal, just get to meet other graduate students. And it's in leaving that gathering that we're returning to our apartment. I felt a tug on my heart. I'm like, what is this? And on the way back to our apartment, I knew I had to tell Lori. Boy, was I nervous. She was raised Catholic, so I felt like, okay, I took her away from her church. She's the first in her family to get married, okay, so I took her away from her family. Now I'm driving back to our apartment, and I am staring straight ahead. And I just, I knew I had to tell her. I said, Lori, something doesn't feel right. And before I could even glance to see what kind of response I thought I was going to deserve from that kind of thing... She said, you know what? I felt it too. It would be two more years before we would go to seminary. But I now knew that God was faithful in his plan for me, for us, where before I had done the reasoning, the thinking, the planning, I I now realized it wasn't about me. God was doing all of the preparing of my life for pastoral ministry. God spoke that to me in high school at age 15. And here I am at 62. And the sovereign Lord knew what the future would hold. I didn't. That wasn't my idea. That was his. That wasn't my plan. That was his. Life has uncertainty. Life has brevity. Over all of it, God has sovereignty. And then there are two things for you and me. And the first is that we should have humility. Here's how James says it. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. Again, God is not against planning. He's against that deep, profound presumption, that arrogance, that pride Now, the way this works in our culture, as people look to the future, they tend to have this sense of of anxiety because there's uncertainty, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? How do I prepare for it? 
And so we want someone who knows what's going to happen to come and tell us and, and save us. So we're, we're all looking for a savior. And if you've got money, you're looking for an investment savior. And if there's an election coming, you're looking for a political savior. If you're working for a company that's struggling and there's a new CEO, you're looking for a, 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 a organizational savior. So what we're always looking for is someone who will come in, tell us what's going to happen, save us from some bad future so that we can have a good future. Now, this may help for a little while, but eventually those we idolize and deem worthy of delivering us will fail us. So let me say this. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one who actually knows the future and can prepare you for it, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little line from the Lord Jesus. Jesus said so many things that are so staggering. Here's one of them. He says this in John 5, 36. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish are the very works that I am doing. Now, I know that that might not seem like such a staggering statement uh, upon first hearing it. But how many of you could say that? Like, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm only doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not doing anything that God hasn't assigned me. Right? How many of you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing? Most of the time, what happens is, if it sounds good, we say yes, and then we get overextended, overcommitted, and burned out. Any of you others like me on that end of things? This is why Americans don't sleep much. We're stressed out, we're anxious, we're downing energy drinks and caffeine, and we're pushing our human body beyond its limits. You see, God has given you the energy to do what he has asked you to do. So when you overextend yourself, you're not going to have the energy. And that's where we begin to hurt ourselves physically. So maybe you and I need to schedule some time this week to be with the Lord and say, Lord, I don't have the energy for everything. There is obviously something that you have not apportioned for me that I am trying to do in this life. Jesus only did what he was supposed to do. We read the Bible and we're like, well, yeah, but he spoke to that person. But he passed by a thousand others. Jesus healed that guy. Yes. And there are a whole bunch of guys that he didn't heal. Jesus even took a day off. Because that's what he was supposed to do. That was his assignment. There were times that Jesus took a nap. How can you imagine being Jesus' dad? Jesus, you have nothing. You're only going to work to 33. I mean, come on, get up. So what is it that you are supposed to be doing that you're not doing? And what is it that you are doing that you're not supposed to be doing? Life has certainty. Life has brevity. God has sovereignty over it all. Therefore, we need to have humility, living under his sovereignty, and to live, last point, with a sense of urgency. Here's how James says it. 
If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Here's what you can't control. Everything that's going to happen in the future. Here's what you can control. Your next step. He says, if you know something is right and you don't do it, that's sin. So the big question is, how do you find God's will for your life? Well, first and foremost, I'm always going to say the Bible. We seek to be a Bible-centered, Bible-teaching, Bible-studying, Bible-obeying church family. That's who we are. So as you study God's word, God will literally renew your mind. And you'll start reading. You go, oh, that's what God thinks. That's who God is. That's what God says. That's how life is to be lived. So the Bible says, husbands, Father's Day, this is perfect. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, well, that's God's will. Better figure out how to love this woman. Fathers, raise your kids in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, that's what it says. That's obviously God's will. So much of God's will is categorically clear. But then how do you find God's specific will for your life? Well, it starts with prayer. You have a living God who's called a father. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, here's how you pray. Our Father. Prayer is how you talk to your dad and listen to your dad. That's all it is. You see, you can't walk in God's will. You can't live humbly under God's sovereignty unless you're in God's word. And in prayer and in worship. And you better start your day with prayer because you don't know what's going to happen, but he does. And throughout the course of the day, you better stop, pause, pray, because you're going to need to figure some things out. At the end of your day, pray that you have learned the lessons that you could have or should have learned throughout the day. That's why the Bible says to pray without ceasing. You find God's will through Bible reading. You find it through prayer, which includes worship. You find it through wise counsel. Wise counsel is finding people who love the Lord, know the Bible, rely on the Holy Spirit, and you find those people and you say to them, hey, could you help me? Could you instruct me? Could you inform me? I've never been married before. You seem to have a, a good marriage. How do you do it? I've never had a kid before. Your kids like you. I mean, I've never seen that. How do you have kids that love the Lord and like you? Hey, you know the Bible. I don't know it. How do you study it? I've got some money. How should I invest it? We're looking for a house. Can you give me advice? Wise counsel is finding godly people in your life who, has, who have wisdom and then leaning on that wisdom in your life. So you find God's will through God's word, prayer, which includes worship, 
wise counsel, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will use all manner to speak to you and reveal God's will to you so that when you know something, you need to do that something. So many of us are planning to do things rather than doing things God has planned for us to do. So many times people are living for tomorrow that they're not living today. And what James says is that if God has told you something and you don't do it, that's a sin. If James were standing here right now, I think he'd say, I love you with all my heart. And I don't want you to be the typical overcommitted, stressed out, burned out, frustrated, grumpy person who doesn't enjoy life. Here's what I want to tell you. God's plan is harder than your plan. God's plan is scarier than your plan. God's plan is more complicated than your plan. God's plan is probably much slower than your plan. But God's plan is infinitely better than your plan. We're told this in Ephesians. God is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. So you go to him because he knows. He knows you. He knows your future. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.